the sky, falling inside yourself. You cannot fly until you break the This is one of my favorite songs by India Irene. I met a dark as the night. She could see into my soul. Said she'd been watching and had some advice. She said shadows make you whole. Alive without pain is wolf in sheep's clothes. You find the gold, child. It's time to break the shell. Life's gonna hurt, but it's meant to fall. You cannot touch the sky from inside yourself. You cannot fly until you break the shell. And I absolutely love that song. But I'm also a big India Ari fan. Hi there. <laughs> Welcome to A Conversation with Tanya. You know, I actually created this platform to chit chat from time to time, but I wish I was a little more consistent. I really need to be more consistent. I know there's been several months that have passed since I last checked in with you. Um, but the truth is, I don't think I have much to talk about. So I'm up. It's after 11. Actually, it's after midnight. It's like 12.07 a.m. February 10th, um, 2020. And I can't sleep. So I thought I would open up Anchor and make my presence known. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. And I still have this account. You know, the climate is so different today. Like we have this very unpredictable administration in DC and so many people are losing jobs and we have several media outlets saying we're not headed for a recession yet. Others say the economy looks pretty bad and prepare yourself for a recession in the year 2020 or 2021. And the crazy thing is, I'm not even sure that I care. <laughs> I mean, I know I should care, right? I should care simply because I'm a small business owner and like most, the economy has a direct effect on the success of my business. Hence, <laughs> it has a direct effect on my clients. And if my clients aren't employed, then, you know, they come up missing. So I should care a little bit more um, than I do today, but I also think that that's the unique thing about being in business for yourself, you know? You have the ability to make changes at a moment's notice. Um, I took a class a few weeks ago and I can remember the instructor saying something like, there is no such thing as a bad market. But there is bad marketing. 
And his point was, regardless of what state the market is in, when the market changes, you should change your marketing. Makes a lot of sense, right? But it's just weird how some of us go through life um, as business professionals, um, knowing that something is different with the economy and we don't tweak our business plan at all. Our price is still our price when people are struggling to make those payments. Not saying that's where people are today, but I'm just saying, I thought that was pretty powerful what he said. There's no such thing as a bad market, but there's bad marketing. Duly noted, okay? Um, but I wanna save the recession topic for another day. Not that it isn't important because it really is. Trust me, it is. I just don't want to talk about it right now. Um, what I want to discuss is this black cloud that seems to be over the country right now. You know, we are mourning the loss of a well-known basketball player, uh, Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter and several of his friends, like seven of his friends. And, you know, when news like that hits, sometimes it hits us differently. For most of us, it's sad. That is really sad. And I think overall, when the world hears that someone has died suddenly, our hearts stop for about a half a second. And that's just long enough to say, ah, that's sad. And then we go back to our lives. You know what I mean? For others, such as myself, it takes you to this dark place. You know what I mean? Like you have empathy for the families because you know what it's like to suddenly lose someone. You know what that's like. You know what it's like to not be able to see their face again, that smile, that warm spirit, loving heart. You know what I mean? All of that is taken from you with no notice, no warning. And you have to learn to live without that person in your life yeah it's it's a lot <laughs> I mean you still have to get up and keep living even though a part of your life ended with that tragedy with that person with that accident I know that story I am that story so tonight, I guess, I want to talk to you about grief. Yeah, I'm going to just put it all out there and, and hopefully it isn't depressing. Um, I mean, I'm approaching that two year mark since my son died tragically in a car accident. And I spent a lot of time trying not to replay the story of that dreadful day. 
if you've ever suffered a loss of a child or someone close to you, in my case, your only child, you have to do a lot of mind work because you didn't just lose your child, but you lost the future of that child. And for me, the future is um, never seeing him grow up to be a man and um, uh, get married and have children, you know? Um, to have them come to you with those <laughs> questions that make you scratch your head like, what? But you lose all of that. And um, it's a lot of mind work. Um, I mentioned in another uh, segment of, of my podcast about a book that, that was titled um, Solve for Happy, where uh, this Google uh, engineer was trying to come up with this equation to make him happy again after the loss of his 21-year-old son. And he gave a lot of great advice and exercises on different things you can do. Um, and one thing I share with a lot of grieving moms, because um, you know, as, as life goes on, you have friends and family members and clients um, that have lost or that's dealing with the loss of someone or are trying to find a way to comfort someone who has lost a child and they tend to come to me to ask me things like hey can you call my friend or can you give me some advice on how to deal with her because she or he really seems like they're in a dark place and i always try to give um, some advice on how to approach this person like a lot of times we feel like um, the best way to deal with a friend who is um, trying to uh, navigate their way through life after losing their child, we try to soften the blow or take away the pain and that is not your job because this grief journey is not your journey. So I try to offer little advice like if they have a dog, offer to come and walk the dog, offer to go buy PetSmart to pick up some dog food um, or take the dog to a dog park or something like that. Notice I said offer to, but don't ask. You know what I mean? Um, or maybe I should say, just just say that, hey, I'm going to come by and pick up your dog and take him or her for a walk, you know? And if that person's anything like me, I think, I don't know where I would be without Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Um, I find myself rushing home like, oh, my gosh, I got to get to Jackson. Just because Jackson has been such a big 
support for me these last year, this last year and a half, you know? So to have him out of my sight, I think I would lose my mind. Um, but other things like instead of asking, hey, are you hungry? Why don't you just say, hey, I'm going to pick up a salad. What type of salad do you want? Or I'm going by Zaxby's. What do you want me to bring you? So you take away the choice of them asking for something. They don't have a choice. What do you want to eat? Because more often than not, they're not eating. <laughs> that Like that's just, that's, for some reason, that's the last thing you think about. Like, you know what? I haven't eaten today. You just realize you haven't eaten because your stomach starts growling and you're like, when's the last time? When's the last time I've eaten anything? But anyway, I wanted to read something to you that a good friend of mine sent me. And it was nice that she sent me this because um, this uh, poem, I guess, speaks to, you know, the support that she has given me. You know, she has been the best. She has been there, like, like I'm telling you, she has been more supportive than some of my friends that I've known for 20 plus years. But anyway, the poem reads, want to help a grieving friend? Let them be sad. The thing is, you can't cheer someone up by telling them to look on the bright side or by giving them advice. Your job, honestly, is to feel awkward and stay there anyway. Just hang right out with their pain. I'm telling you, like, that's the only thing you can do for someone who's grieving. So can you imagine, can you imagine being in the worst place, experiencing the worst time of your life, having someone say, you're gonna have to get over this and you're gonna have to move on and you know, your child or your husband or your wife wouldn't want you to live this way. And it's easy for you to say that because you're not in this situation. And isn't it strange how people will tell you that, you know, you should move on and then they call you with something as simple as, oh, my child's teacher isn't being fair and before you know it, they're crying and acting silly. <laughs> to say silly but it's the truth you're crying and acting like a like a baby and I'm thinking hmm but I should just move on it's it's interesting I mean I can go on and on with stuff like that but I try to keep those conversations either to myself or I dump them on my therapist that's what I pay her for but I made a decision um, last year that I was no longer going to go to my therapist about family and close friends. Now, there are some people I do have to throw on her lap, but I'm like, this is a lot of money I'm spending to talk about family and friends and how insensitive I think they are. And... Um, you do have people, I have a, a good friend of mine, a guy who would say, 
he would say stuff like, it's, it's almost been two years, right? As if to say, you're not better yet. So when, when he calls me, I send him to voicemail for weeks and sometimes months, depending on the mood I'm in. It's because at some point in our conversation, he said, so it's been about, it's, it's almost been two years, right? As if I need to get over it. But I've read a lot of grief books and a lot of articles about grief and um, most of them kind of say the same thing. They say the first year um, is different because you're trying to get through that first year of first. You know what I mean? Like the first year of not having your loved one for the holiday and the first year without celebrating their birthday with them. You know what I mean? So you're like, oh, if I could just get through the first year. And then some of them say, but that second year kind of tugs at your heartstring a lot because that second year reminds you that, hey, this person is not coming back. Like this kid is not in school. This kid is not in the military. He is never coming back again. You will never hear his voice. You will never see his smile. You will never have a future with this kid again. And sometimes that takes you to a dark place. So when when you hear stories like Kobe and I mean, throughout the years I've heard or throughout the year, I've heard a lot of stories about kids coming up missing and the step parents abusing the kids and, and they pass away like you still have this numb, this numb feeling. It's a feeling of numbness like I I can't call it anything else like even though the person next to you may be crying as we watch the news or you know as they read a story to you from uh, online about something that happened because you know what that feels like you are still numb and it takes you back to that place and I'm not saying that if you know someone who is in grief that you shouldn't share these stories with them I'm not saying that I think you should share the stories with them because a lot of times they can shed light on situations or they could check you about how insensitive you are being at at this point in that person's life but a lot of times when you hear these stories you're still numb from what you're going through and if you're not careful, it'll take you to this very dark hole. And um, with some of the um, other grieving moms that I talk to on a regular basis, when they ask me certain questions about my son and how did you do it or how are you coping, you know, I just tell them, I realize that I don't work for my brain, but my brain works for me. So anytime my brain tries to take me down this rabbit hole, I refuse. I refuse to go to the dark place where my brain says, oh my gosh, your son is gone. You'll never see him, you know, as a married man and you'll never see him as a father and you, you've missed out on all that. When my brain tries to take me there, I just, I do the whole um, solve for happy thing and I'm like, hey, bring me a better story. You know what I mean? 
And sometimes that better story is I was fortunate enough, enough to um, have my son in my life for 25 years. Some people didn't get that. You know what I mean? Um, according to the doctors, he did not suffer. Um, and he was a great kid and he had a lot of friends and I gave him a, a good life, you know, as much as what, as far as what I could do, as far as giving him a good life. Um, we had a lot of good times. We spent a lot of times with family. So I pretty, I control the brain and the brain does not control me. And that takes work because I'm a hairstylist. And a lot of times when I go to work, clients will come in with story after story. I just had a situation the other day where um, a client whom I call friend um, was, she was talking about uh, a situation and, and I was sharing with her because it was right in line with what happened with my son. And uh, I was sharing with her the story that I got from the insurance company. And she was like, oh, I didn't know that. And then she got a text message and she was like, ah, <laughs> you know, like just moved right along like, the conversation that we were having at the time was not important to her at all. And then she went into this joke that somebody sent her to the point where she was falling out of the chair. And I was like, oh gosh. So when I say you end up doing a lot of mind work because you do mind work because you're like, gosh, this person is really being insensitive. Like you just asked me this question and I'm trying to give you the answer, but then somebody sent you a joke and that was more important. So the mind work comes in like, okay, you cannot go off on this person. You cannot be upset. Uh, nine times out of 10, this girl doesn't even realize how dismissive she was with her actions. So you just have to chuck that up and keep it moving. So then, I, and I'm pretty good with that, you know, cause I, I always look at it, even though if the relationship has turned into a friendship, I always know when to fall back. You know what I mean? So for me, I just fell back and said, so let's talk about your upcoming project and um, the look that you want me to create for this project. Because at the end of the day, um, I still work for this person, you know? So it's a lot of little things that you have to do when you're in grief. And for me, I'm approaching that second year and, and I've read so many places that the second year is so much harder than the first year. And um, I try not to um, take too much of that stuff in just because Sometimes when you listen to what people say in terms of where you should be in your grief, because everybody's grief is different, um, you may start to live that. You may start to act that stuff out. You know what I mean? When your situation is different. But I, I did notice that these last few 
weeks and months have been like really sad and withdrawn and you know I find myself looking at my son's pictures like what in the world you know what I mean like then you go through this range of I'm so mad and I'm mad at you and I'm mad at God and I'm mad at life so um it's a lot it's a lot to think about um so my advice to you is if you know someone who is living in grief and you know someone who has recently gone through uh, what they're experiencing, sometimes it's best to just connect those two people together, and, which is what a lot of my friends and clients have been doing. Like, can you talk to my friend? And I really don't mind doing it because I remember all I wanted when I was in that fog was to talk to someone else who was in that fog and found their way out of it. Um, it ended up being a grief support group, which was a um, TCF, <laughs> the Compassionate Friends. That's it. The I drew a blank. The Compassion, the Compassionate Friends organization, which is a nationwide organization. And when I went there. Everybody in the room, although we were different ages and our kids were different ages and we were all different races, we all had that one thing in common, and that is every single person in that room lost a child. So when I went through my, my emotions and my bouts of not being able to sleep, like I remember going like almost 24 hours not sleeping, and I didn't even realize it. All I knew is I woke up that day, watched a lot of TV, read a lot of magazines, watched some more TV. The sun came up again. Um, you know, I was working part time. I just went back to work in January. So I was off from work. Well, actually, I was working part time for maybe a year and a half or so. But I remember just staying busy, cleaning the house, walking the dog, going to the park. I spent a lot of time in nature and it just did not hit me that I did not sleep. And it got to the point where I said, you know what, maybe I need to take something. So I took some sleep aid. First I tried the melatonin and that put me out for about I don't know, for about an hour. And then I tried, NyQuil had a sleep aid or something. And I, it knocked me out for about four or five hours, which was the best sleep and I needed it. But sometimes it's just best for you to connect them with someone else because you may not know it and I'm sure it's not your intention, but more often than not, friends and family say the dumbest shit to a grieving person and you leave them feeling worse than they did when you called or when you went over. And I shared with my sister, I said, you know, now I understand why people in grief become loners. It's easier to just be a loner 
<laughs> because you have friends who are very dismissive of your feelings. Um, and then you have friends and family members that feel like you should get over this. You know what I mean? So it's just easier for you to be by yourself. <laughs> it's just so much easier for you to be by yourself. And then those people will have to worry like, what's wrong with her? She isn't taking my calls. I went by her house. She doesn't answer the door. Oh my God. But it's really because you're annoying. It's because you're dismissive. It's because you're insensitive. And it's a lot better for them to deal with their grief and their sorrow alone. So if you know someone who's living with grief, um, just connect them with someone else or feel free to give them my number um, nine times out of 10 if you're listening to this podcast. You know me personally. So give them my number, 704-756-2752. I'd love to chat with them or have them email me. Um, a lot of times it's just me sitting on the other end listening until they ask me a question like, how did you deal with it? You know, and most of the time my answer is I'm still in it. But hey, we're going to get through this together. So I just wanted to um, come on here and chat for a while um, just just because, you know, we the Kobe conversation keeps coming up and the other people who were on the helicopter with him. And I had to catch myself because I felt myself going down this black hole, um, like having this woe is me moment and oh my gosh, this is taking me back there. I was like, nope, we're not doing that. Not, not today, brain. You work for me, buddy. I don't work for you. So I need you to go back and bring me a better story. Wow, it's uh, been 30 minutes and six seconds. How in the world did that happen? Because I promised you when I came on here, I had nothing to talk about. So I'm, I'm not sure if I made any points. I should have done five steps to living in grief or something like that, then I could at least do the countdown. But because I just popped on anchor and started running my mouth, um, hopefully I said something that resonated with you. Um, if not, I'm sorry, but I'm out of here. Thank you for joining me with a conversation with Tanya. And we're going to leave with uh, Break the Shell by India Irie, the same way we started. Bye. Why are they so loud? And when I grow up, that's never ever gonna be me. That I decide that we build a wall just shy of six feet tall, too strong to fall. The favorite part. Child, it's time to break the shell. Life's gonna hurt, but it's meant to be felt. You cannot touch the sky from inside yourself. You cannot fly until you break the shell. It's another great line right here. Here we go. Courage is not being hard. It's time to peel back all of the layers you put 
You can click off anytime I'm just singing. Disappointment, finally understand. There is no such thing as perfect. We're all simply doing the best that we can. And we have a choice to live or truly be alive. Life's gonna hurt, but it's meant to be felt. You cannot touch the sky from inside yourself. You cannot fly until you break the shell. Okay, for real, it's like 1238. <laughs> it's time for me to get out of here. So, anyway, I hope you're doing well. And maybe next week I'll try to uh, give you another installment of a conversation with Tommy. Okay? Until then, bye. Stuff